Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. I've decided that some of my favorite interviews are the ones that we've done with bloggers because, you know, everyone's work is personal, but the work of bloggers is far more personal than most. Today, we're going to talk to one of the most prominent bloggers of all time, Jason Kotke of Kotke.org fame. He was one of the early bloggers, one of the first bloggers to go pro, and one of the few solo bloggers still going. To me, this is a fascinating personal recounting of the last 20 years as a publisher on the World Wide Web. Please enjoy this conversation with Jason Kotke. Jason Kotke, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Hey, thanks, Brian. So, uh, as we were just saying off mic, this show ostensibly was supposed to be a time machine back to the 90s. So, uh, take me back to the 90s with Jason Kotke. What did you go to school for? So, I went to school at a small liberal arts college in Iowa. Um, And, you know, I showed up. I didn't know what I was going to major in. Uh, and eventually fell into uh, physics. Hmm. Did you got a degree in physics? I I got a degree in physics. Wow. All right. So, uh, what are the physics jobs that one's supposed to get when they uh, get out of college with a physics degree? Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, so after college, I went to grad school. I was I was going to get a PhD in ceramic engineering. Hmm. Uh, and the like the research that I was going to do was um, uh, my my advisor, he was working on um, uh, making these little ceramic beads that you would irradiate and then you would, you know, put in the body to, you know, sort of attack cancer at a, you know, sort of a very targeted level. And so that was the research that I was going to going to be working on. But uh, that didn't work out. It sounds cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was really interesting. It was really interesting. So, how did you um, get into being a web designer? Was that sort of you backed into it, or did did you have? Uh, were you a geeky, nerdy computer kid? Yeah, I, d- I definitely was. Um, and so, my senior, like my junior senior year in college, it was like late nineteen ninety four, ninety five. So, it would have been my senior year in college. Um, we got, uh, we got internet access. This was like, yeah, this was 94. So like not every, you know, like high speed internet everywhere was not a thing, mm-hmm. you know, even, even at colleges, like especially, you know, small colleges in Iowa. And, uh, so we got internet access and we got access to the web and I, you know, downloaded, or I'm sure like mosaic was installed which was, you know, one of the first like graphical web right, browsers right, right. was installed on the system at, at school. And we had computers in the, in the physics department. And so like I went on there and the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And pretty much from that day forward, I was like, I need to figure out what this is and how to do this and everything about this. What was it the was it the multimedia aspect of it? I mean, you're, you're you kind of have a reputation for you know being a good designer. Was was that what wowed you? Like, wow, you, you could what what are the amazing things you could do with this? I, you know, I think to be honest, it was like it was a little bit of that, but it was also the just the hypertext aspect of it. 
just you could link from one thing to the next to the next and to the next and like you know i would go to the lab and fire up the browser and you know at that time like you (laughs) it's funny to say but like you could kind of like browse around and get a view of you know even at that time you know like it was like three or four years after you know the web had had been around for a bit and you could browse around for a while and get a sense of sort of the entire World Wide Web, you know. And I would do that, you know. I, I would browse around for like three hours at a time and look up and be like, "Whoa, what just happened?" But, but it was just so. I just loved it. There was just so much there. What was the first website uh, you yourself, or even forget site? page because you know i even remember this uh, the first thing i had a university account so you know you, i wouldn't have been able to give you the url it was ufl.edu that some, some and there was a page so like what mm-hmm. was the first thing that you designed on the web or, or put up on the web i mean i don't even think we had shell accounts at the time we mm. we had access but but there was no there was no shell accounts or anything like that so the first thing i designed the first web thing i designed was sort of a you know a page of of my favorite links and things like that that I kept on a floppy disk like a you know a, a 3.5 inch floppy disk mm-hmm. that I could you know I had a computer in my dorm room I think it was my roommates and so I could take it there I could take it to the computer lab I could take it to you know the the physics lab had computers and so I had this like home page that I would haul around with me which is you know, kind of weird, but like I didn't have any other way to do it, so that's the way I did it. And so, you did you ever publish that list? I did not. It it just lived on that floppy disk <laughs> until, you know, I, I I don't remember when GeoCities became a mm-hmm. thing, but I, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure that I published something there at some point. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I also remember the site called. What the hell was it called? Trailer Trash or something? Really? Or Tripod? Are you thinking of Tripod? No, it's, it wasn't Tripod. It yeah. was like Trailer Trash. And it was like you, I think it was called Trailer Trash. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. But, you know, it was the same sort of thing where you could, you know, you could publish a page, you know, mm-hmm. your own page. Um, and so I'm sure, you know, I, I, I distinctly remember having having a page there. And that was probably like one of the first things I had that was, you know, actually online. How do you how do you get from that to say uh, oscillate or something like that? Yeah, so so like I said, I, I you know I went I graduated from college, I went to grad school, and about halfway through grad school, I noticed that I was spending you know I would come home and I would do my homework, you know because I was taking like three or four classes, and I would come home and I would do my homework. And then from about, you know, six thirty, seven, eight o'clock until like two in the morning, I would be on the web, like trying to figure out how to design web pages and how to design websites and, and all that sort of stuff. And I was looking at, at sites like Suck and like, um, you know, Michael Sippy's site called Stating the Obvious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, like Hotwired and, uh, oh, what was his name? David Siegel was this guy who was doing... Um, He's the guy that came up with the the single spacer GIF, mm-hmm, like the invisible mm-hmm. the invisible GIF that would yeah. like do these sort of print like layouts with tables in HTML. 
Uh, and so, you know, I was like, loved that stuff and was just trying to figure out how to do it. And eventually I was like, wait, I need to not do this, you know, physics, ceramic engineering thing. I need to figure out how to get a job doing web design. And so you're, could, are you still in Iowa or are you in Minnesota? Where, where are you at this point? Well, I'm, I'm in Missouri. Missouri. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rolla, Missouri, which yeah. is actually where, uh, I think Jack Dorsey went to school huh. as well. I don't think we were there at the same time, but close. Um, yeah. And so like, I didn't know anybody, you know, like, and, and you know, so I was going to school and I was, you know, spending my evenings, like basically like trying to figure the web out. Did the, um, did you get a job eventually as a web designer? I, like, I, I know you I, do, I know you do eventually, but like, so we're talking like the 95, 96 period, right? Exactly. Yeah. So this would be fall of fall of 95. So actually give me a little bit about that because this is something that I remember specifically, like, uh, the web is becoming a thing. How do I make a living on the web? Well, at some point, everybody needs to put up a website, <laughs> every frigging company in the world or whatever. So like that was the easiest job is just, all right, I'll start designing websites for people. Is that sort of what happened to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I really didn't, you know, like at the time you don't really, you don't really know what jobs are out there. You know, you, I was vaguely aware. I think that this was a job and you could do that. Um, you know, cause there were people working at Hotwired and there were people working at, you know, these sort of San Francisco and New York, mm -hmm. uh, agencies doing, you know, these big websites that I love to look at, but you're in Missouri, but I'm in Missouri, I'm in grad school. And, uh, so I decided I was like, okay, I got to drop out of grad school, which I did after a semester. And I moved back in with my dad who, and I didn't learn this till later. Like he was very concerned about me because it's like, okay, you've gone to college, you've gotten this degree, you went to grad school, you're on this sort of promising career path. And then you just sort of drop out and you're going to do this other thing. But he was very like understanding at the time. Like he, he was, he didn't really say anything to me. He was like, okay. Like you seem to know what you're doing. So, you know, do your thing. And so I, I moved back in with him and basically spent like eight to 10 hours a day figuring out how to, you know, try and do this stuff. And I, I, I was building, I was basically building a, a portfolio site, like, and, and that sort of became oscillate, which is this, uh, sort of episodic slash experimental website that I had. Um, that was, you know, basically designed to showcase what I could do with HTML and with design so that I could, so that someone would give me a job. Right. You, you use that term episodic. So like you, you would what change the, the, the layout and design of, of the page, like monthly or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I mean, in the beginning it was every few weeks cause I had, you know, I had a lot of time and I had, I had a lot to learn, uh, but yeah, I would, I would come up with a new episode, a new thing, like every two to three weeks. And, and the, the, most of the design of the site would change like every two or three weeks. It was, it was pretty intense. Well, but when you, when you say episode again, like, so what's the content of the so, episode? I mean, it was just different stuff. It was, um, you know, a lot of them were sort of design experiments. Like I, I, <laughs> I redesigned quote unquote the, the Yahoo homepage. <laughs> um, 
and it you know it was very much like uh, uh, I don't know if you remember like Ray Gun magazine like back oh, in the day. Oh, absolutely, was, yeah, was, yeah. Like, David Carson sort of style design, like it, it, you know, like I I really liked David Carson at the time, and so like it was the Yahoo homepage, but it looked like sort of a David Carson like magazine layout. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also you know like I wrote some essays and uh, you know sort of designed them in a um, you know, very graphic heavy style. I mean, graphic heavy for the time. Uh, and, you know, just played around with that sort of stuff. To get, to get me to cotkey.org, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are cocky. Uh, the, who are you reading? Like, who are some of the early, what we would now call bloggers? Who are, who are the people that you're like, that maybe leads you in the direction of doing what kotki.org would, would become? Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, to, to, to kind of go old school, like suck, suck was always an influence, mm-hmm. like, like Carl Stedman, Joe enough. Um, and that sort of group of writers, you know, that, that was kind of a seminal influence. Um, and I also like uh, Michael Sippy and his writing um, on mm-hmm. stating the obvious. Mm-hmm. Like I like even I think even more than suck. Like what he was doing, just sort of in a like, oh, I'm into technology, and and this web thing is is really interesting and cool. Like, and he would do a lot of writing about that stuff, and that was that was very influential as well. Um, I would say uh, Leslie Harpold. Um, who sadly is no longer with us, but she, she had a personal website and she also ran a, um, she ran sort of an online magazine called smug, I think. Um, let's see who else. Molly Steenson. She ran a, a site called girl wonder and, um, also, Oh shoot. I can't remember the, like the zine, like that was the big thing back then is these zines, like these web zines. And she, she ran a web zine and I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. I mean, to give a little historical context on this, like there's this sort of amorphous period where, you know, from day one, people understand you can create a personal web page and you can put your shit on it. Right. <laughs> Whatever right. that may be. Um, and then you're right. There's this nineties culture of, of zines and, you know, uh, producing your own uh, DIY content in an in an offline sense, and and so what we think of everything personal that's not on a you know a major siloed platform today as a blog was something that kind of evolved over time, and it's not like everyone agreed. Oh, now we're blogging. Like, not only did people have to evolve the sense of this is what we're doing, but like also the the, the formal structure of it wasn't that like your personal homepage could be anything before it became this reverse chronological, you know, sort of diary or, or list of links and things like that. Exactly. And I think that, you know, what's interesting is that, that blogging didn't come from, you know, blogging didn't originate from a small set of folks. It was like, everyone was like throwing darts at the wall to see what would stick and, you know, there were, there were online diaries, you know, I mean, Justin Hall has right. been online doing this since, you know, the mid nineties. 
1994, I think is when he started. And, um, you know, there were, there were online diarists. He was more of a, you know, online diarist, but using a lot of hypertext kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So more bloggy than a lot of people were. Mm -hmm. Um, there were, you know, all of these sort of design sites and design blogs. I mean, we would think of them as design blogs now, um, but there were these design sites like um, Caliber 10,000, K10K, um, which, you know, I was also reading and those sites like that that were, you know, they would give like, oh, this guy over here is doing this cool thing or, you know, these people are doing, doing this cool thing, um, you know, and that was really influential as well. Um, when um so all right we're beating around the bush um cocky.org that i i think you've said before that that was just sort of like another side project growing out of episodic maybe like uh what was the idea why did you register the domain and and what did you think it was going to be when you when you launched it yeah so cocky.org started as an episode of oscillate it was it was sort of like I don't know. I, I wanted to do something that was that was more regular and more like I wanted to write and I wanted to do it in this sort of diaristic kind of bloggy way. Um, and, you know, and, and I wanted to. You know, I think half of it was probably that I just wanted to design. A container for this type of of content to see how that, I don't know, just to see how I would do that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because again, um, again, for historical context, this is before the days of CMSs. You're, exactly. You're, you're coding it up yourself. Yeah. Yep. It was, yeah, it was all by hand. Um, and I did, I did it many, many years by hand. I'm not, I'm not sure when I switched over, but it was well, you know, it was after blogger, had, mm -hmm. you know, been, been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and things like gray matter and I think movable type. I didn't switch to movable type until, you know, until it, it, until it had been going for a while, I think. Well, actually, we'll come back to that. I want to know your history of, of CMSs yep. and platforms and things. But so cocky.org is, uh, what is it, March of 98? You, yep. You put it online. So, yep. again, um, and, I, you know, I kind of sometimes say to people, like, if do your best to put yourself in the mindset of when you launched it. What did you think you were doing? And did, did you intend it to be like this will be the site that takes over or something like that? What did you think? No, that I I don't think that was, you know, that wasn't really in the in the cards. <laughs> um, although over time, I kind of realized I was like, yeah, this is the thing that, it, you know, this is the thing that I'm going to do and not not oscillate. Um, but I think initially it was just sort of like, you know, I wanted something I could do more regularly, you know, because I was, you know, I was working at the time. So it was 98. I had, you know, I'd had, I'd had a, I'd had a full time you, job. Yeah. Where, where were you working? Did you finally get a, a web uh, designer job? Yeah. After about eight months, I got eight months sort of, you know, living at my dad's place in rural Wisconsin, I got a, uh, an internship in Minneapolis mm. and that turned into, you know, full-time job pretty quickly. And I had that job for about two years. It was at, the, at this, um, uh, company called, uh, Imaginet, which they were, so they, they were a, uh, Mac 
reseller and and um, and service company. And but they were trying to transition. They you know one one of the partners had kind of saw the writing on the wall as far as the web web was concerned, and so they were trying to transition to doing sort of more web stuff. And by the time I left there, it was it was full time, you know, full time web design. So okay, back back to Kaki. Yeah, so like I was I was working there and you know just having I didn't have I had less and less time to do oscillate the way that I had been doing it and the way that I wanted to do it. Uh it took a lot of energy and I think you know doing something like, you know, writing an online diary/blog was was less intensive because all I had to do was worry about the writing and I didn't have to worry about, you know, redesigning or designing something every, you know, three or four weeks or a month. And the, the, the first post, like I, I, you know, on your 20th, 20th anniversary, uh, recollection post, you, you, or maybe it was the 10th anniversary, but you, you talk about how, like, you know, you're embarrassed to read them now. Um, but you had to go through that <laughs> to become who you are today and for the site to become who it is today. But like, so what were, what were the, some of the things that you were writing about and, or, Stuff like that. You know, I think I blocked a lot of that out of, <laughs> out of my head. You have the archives, dude. I do. I do. Uh, and people are welcome to read them. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting to, like, look back at some of this stuff and see just, I don't know, just a very, how very different I was then and just, like, a different time in my, li- my life. Because you're, um, like, what, 22 yeah, like yeah. probably a little bit older than that, but yeah, in, in that ballpark, um, 23, 24. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, some of the stuff is the same, like talking about music and TV and movies, which I still do. Um, it, it's kind of interesting how light it is on the links, especially in the early, early yeah, days. Yeah. A lot of it is just writing like more of a diary or more of like, Hey, I noticed this thing today. Whereas now it's like, you know, there, there aren't posts without links. You yeah. Know? How did, cause I, again, remembering back from the time there was almost like there were these different parties of like, well, I, I'm a, I'm a diary blog and this person is a, you know, here's my hot take on this blog. And then like link blogs were thought of as like a different species or whatever. Like, do you have a sense of why uh, Kake.org sort of evolved in that direction? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, it might not be like a, a linear thing, like, okay, you became a link blog or something. Because, you know, as you talked about on, on Gruber's pod, like, you know, you did a lot of writing at various times, like especially around 9-11 and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what you're you become known for is like, this guy finds the cool shit on the web every right. day for me. Um, but that, so that, that clearly obviously wasn't any sort of like something that you planned to evolve into or something like that. No, no. I, but well, you know, while I'm thinking about it right now, I think that what happened is that as weblogs became a thing, the, the thing that happened is that we all, you know, everyone in, you know, and, and there were multiple sort of weblog groupings and clicks and stuff, but the one that I sort of belonged to 
you know, we all link to each other. Oh, you know, Matt said this or Meg said this or Ev said this. And we all kind of link to each other in this, you know, sort of networky kind of way. And it, it became this, you know, it, it became this way of write this, this way of writing online. I think that was very comfortable and very natural. And after a while, I think it, it just became this, this way of like, I'm going to, I'm going to point to something over there, bring it, bring it to my page and talk about it a little bit. And that's, you know, this sort of style developed, I think, from that. So I, I have two different questions on this because this is my favorite thing to interrogate when I talk to early blog people. Um, first would be, do you remember, like some people, some early blog people, like I remember this is the post that all of a sudden I got a thousand readers and, you know, it slowly built from there or something like that. Do, do you remember how the audience developed? Was there like, do, do you have a, this was the post sort of story like that? Well, the, the audience developed. So I had, I had a audience already from Oscillate and I had, I had a mailing list for Oscillate. It was, I mean, it, there was no software. It was just a list of people that I kept in my email program that I would email when I came up with a, a new episode. And so there were, there were those two things that I had sort of carried over. And then once I started writing more frequently on, on Kotka.org and the blog thing sort of took off where it was like, Oh, Matt, Howie's on the cover of, you know, this magazine or, you know, bloggers taking off doing this thing, mm -hmm. you know, and every time that happened, it was, you know, there was a little, you know, it was just sort of the steady, uh, uphill trajectory. Um, but I would say, you know, the, you know, and I mentioned this on, on Gruber's show, um, the, the nine 11 posts was, was sort of a, uh, was kind of, was a jump in my audience. Um, it, I, I can't recall exactly, but the, the, um, I think the audience increased by like 50% over that week and never went back down. The, you know, uh, Dave, Dave Weiner told me the same thing, of course, that, that you know, and, well, mm -hmm. and, and almost every blogger talks about that. Like that was such a transformative moment for the medium, not 9-11 only, but 9-11 into the Iraq war sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, Okay. But the other thing that I'm interested in, is the idea, and I've seen you talk and write about this in other places, but this idea that the first people to the party sort of become the aristocracy, not the aristocracy, maybe that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like, so like you are linking to Meg and Evan and, and Matt Howie and, and people like that. And, and they're all linking back to you. And so that then, you know, like when, when everyone shows up to become fans of REM and the early fans are like, well, you know, <laughs> but like since this, this idea that if you get there first to a medium or a new hot thing or anything is that, that you're just inevitably going to become the, the superstars of whatever that, that new thing is. Hmm. I'm just, yeah, I'm I would be curious to know your thoughts almost, almost philosophically about that, about building an audience on a new medium and, and how that sort of works. 
I mean, there's there's definitely a, I mean, there's definitely an advantage, like the you know sort of the first mover advantage, um, of being early to do anything. Um, you know, and and I think that there's a, you know, like back in the day, like you had to, you know, you had to be somewhat techy and somewhat geeky in order to sort of make this work in order to make it happen. Um, you know, there weren't, there weren't sites hosting and CMSs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so, you, you know, you had to kind of know how to use Photoshop a little bit. You had to know how to do HTML and you had to know how to navigate your way through a, mm. you know, Unix shell account. Um, you had to know how to, you know, buy hosting time on a server somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and you also had had to have access to a computer at you know at some juncture. I was you know, I was lucky enough that like my dad, you know, he bought one of the first uh, IBM compatible PCs on the market, and it was a fortune. And you know, very lucky to to be exposed to that. Um, you know, and and so some of that is, you know, there's a lot of privilege wrapped up in yeah. how you get to be a, you know, one of the first movers online. Um, you know, you had to be in college at a certain time and, and you had to have access to technology and, and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, that's something that I didn't have any realization of at the time, you know, because I'm 24, 25, 26 years old and I am furiously trying to figure out how to, you know, make my mark and that's, and, you know, not only make my mark, but also like just, there was this massive whole huge world of discovery online that I was like, I wanted to do all of it. I wanted to take in all of it and like, how can I do that? And so I'm just furiously trying to figure it out and not really thinking about anything else. Well, yeah. Also, is there like some sort of like um, psychological journey where, you know, these are just these are the people that I screw around with online and then, oh, wait a minute, there's tens of thousands of people potentially <laughs> paying attention to us screwing around online. And that doesn't even get it into, you know, when, you know, people take it pro and, you know, bloggers turn into, you know, getting jobs at... <laughs> real publications and things mm -hmm. like that what like what was that journey in terms of uh this is not just like some screw off thing over in the corner this is like a thing so as a kid like i grew up in i grew up on a farm and then when i was about 10 i moved to a small town and there were about 2500 people in that town and you know at some point in like 2001 2002 2003 like there were more people reading Kotka.org every day, like multiples more reading Kotka.org every day than lived in my small town. Mm. And when I stopped to think about it, it was insane. And it's, it, it's still insane. Like it's still, it's still weird to me that, that there are all these people that read my website every day. And, you know, when you sort of add them up, the scale for like, you know, sort of a one to many sort of 
the relationship is just it, it's just weird. Um, you know, and, and and different people I think handle that in different ways. I think that I handled it fairly well in terms of not getting too big for my britches and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, I was a 25 year old guy and it, you know, it was, it was a really great feeling to be honest, you know? Do you still feel really good about that? About that? I guess we're talking about fame, some level of fame. Do you still enjoy that? Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, now I think it's you know it's been long enough, and it's you know, and I think relatively in my, I I hate the word fame. I hate like I hate talking about the the that aspect of I it. Cu- I couldn't think of another word, but <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's the, it's the right word, but I it's still, it, yeah, it's still weird to talk about. Um. I can't remember what I was going to say about it. It's just, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. But, but I like, you know, what I like is I like when, um, like the only aspect of it I like, I think is when people either through email or, you know, every once in a while, like someone, I'll get an email from someone or, or, or someone will come up to me in real life and say, Hey, are you Jason? Like, I really like your site and, and I can like talk to them about it. And, you know, it's not the, it's not the getting recognized in public or whatever, but like talking to people about, you know, the site and what they like about it. And like, that's really like, I really like that. And like who they are and just like getting to know people on that, on that basis is, is really, I really like it. All right. Let me bring us back to our, our narrative as it were, uh, uh, at some point, you uh, move out to California uh, again. I believe getting a, a job as a web developer. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. Um, so the eventually you can make cocky dot org be your full time job. I think it was around two thousand four ish. Yeah, two thousand five actually. Two thousand five. Wow, that long. Okay, interesting. Um, did you experiment with ads before you did the the fundraiser? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, philosophical reasons or? You know, I don't know. I don't know why. It's funny. Now, we I should say, remember. we should say, you know, because by 2003, you could have put AdSense. 2003, 2004, you could have put AdSense on, like everyone did at right. that point, you know. So it, 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 you couldn't have the excuse of, well, it was complicated. How are you going to get a double-click account, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was probably at least somewhat philosophical. Like, I don't like ads, so I'm not going to put ads on the site. Um, I, I really don't remember how I came up with the whole, you know, micro patron thing. You know, asking, you know, basically, it, you know, I did a uh, a year long kind of, uh, you know, NPR slash PBS style, you know, pledge drive where I was like, hey, you know, kick in some money and I'll do this for a year. And you raised enough that you were like, well, at least this will this will pay the bills for a solid year. That's how successful that was. Yep. Yep. Wow, I was that's great. I was able. Yep. I was able to pay the bills for a year. It was like, 
you know, the, the web design job that I quit to do this, like it, I made about a third of what my salary was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I had savings and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it was, it so it was doable. It was doable. Mm -hmm. Um, so when do, when do the ads come in? Is that many years later, like when the deck comes around or. Yeah. So I did the, I did the micro patron thing for a year and stopped after a year. I decided I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to continue that, you know, experiment. Um, and I think that I, that I stopped doing it without any sort of clear plan as to what I was going to do instead. And then the deck, I got an email, I think from, from Jim Coodle, uh, saying, Hey, we've got this advertising thing and we've got a couple sites in the network. Like, do you want to join? And I was like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> and, you know, so, and I think that was maybe three or four months after I, uh, I stopped doing the, the micro patron thing. Um, so, you know, it went from there to the deck and then, you know, I, I had the deck on the site for 10 years, more than 10 years. Um, how about like affiliate links? Has that ever been a big part of what you do? Yeah. So, so, uh, and I, you know, remember the Amazon associates mm -hmm. program and, and that's, that's been a, a, a sizable, you know, chunk of my revenue for, you know, at least 10 years, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, let's, let's come back to the, your history with CMS and, and platforms and things like that. So, uh, you stop coding it all yourself. Um, what, when you meet like, uh, Megan Ev? So I never, yeah, I never moved over to blogger. Uh -huh. Um, so I went straight from hand coding my site, which I did for an embarrassingly long time, I would say, uh, to movable type. Um, it, you know, and it's funny, like blogger at the time. So blogger, when it first launched, you had to give them your, your username and password for your, for your site so that, you know, you, you would author, you know, you, you would write the files on blogger.com yeah, and then that, I would yeah. FTP the files and your archive files and stuff to your, to your server. Um, which is kind of amazing to think about. <laughs> kind of insane. Like that's that's yeah. how it was done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but then, you know, there were, uh, there was software like Gray Matter. I don't know if you remember Gray Matter. Yeah, sure. Was a, sure. Was blogging software, yeah. and then um, you know Ben and Mina Trot came out with uh -huh. uh, with Movable Type. Yeah, and you could install it on your server, and so it would it would manage the files right on your own server. And so it was, at some point, I can't even remember. It might have it might have even been like 2002, 2003, um, where I finally I finally switched over to that, and I've been on MT ever since, and I that's still what what powers the site. All right, I need you to to go back in time for me again for a process question. Um, when early on, when you're when you're more evolved into the sort of link blog that you become, how do you find your stuff to link to? Well, I read a you know in the beginning, like I would read, I would just read other sites, and I would find links from other sites. Uh, other blogs, you know, other blogs kind of like mine. Um, you just, you scroll through your RSS feed and, and, and see what's new and see what catches your fancy and, and you curate that list. 
Yeah, I mean, but even before RSS, like mm-hmm. I would, you know, I would have, I had my blog roll, which is basically a list of right, the sites right, right. that I like to read that was that was in the sidebar of my site, and I would I would look at other people's blog rolls and you know link out to those sites. It was it was much more of a, um, you know, throwback to surfing the web. You would go from link to link to site to site, which is not really the way that it works now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't spend a lot of time doing that, and I don't think, I don't think anybody else does either. Um, yeah, and then eventually it became RSS. Like I had a, you know, I had my list of of sites that I would that I would read through my RSS reader. Um, I used a, oh, what did I use? Newsfire. It was a RSS reader for the Mac that was super well designed. It was this guy, oh, what was his name? Uh, David. David Watanabe, I think. Hmm. Um, I think he went to work for Apple eventually because he his interface design was amazing. It was so good. Um, but I used that for a long time, and then I switched to Google Reader for a while, and then Reader went kaput, and then, and then I switched to Feedly. And I start, you know, I still use Feedly every once in a while, but I use it less and less. Um, Twitter, Twitter's the main thing now. Yeah. Do you keep like multiple different lists or you just have whittled it down to like accounts that you, you know, are your gold? Yeah. I just, I just whittled it down. Um, I do think you, that. Do you depend you know, a lot on, on, on uh reader pings and suggestions to you? I do. I do get those occasionally still. Um, it used to be a yeah, lot that, more. That tiny sushi one I saw today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah it used to be a lot more. Um, I you know I would get you know probably twenty or thirty links a day in email, and now I probably get five. Um, and it's interesting. It used to be the links that I would get sent used to be more. Uh, they would be more kind of all over the place, and now I get stuff. I think people people have gotten more of a sense of what I'm into, and so now I get stuff that is that I've oftentimes already seen, which is, I, I don't know what that means, but... Well, because they know you so well that they're like, well, this is a thing for Jason. Right. And because you are Jason, you did see it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I you know, I do spend all day, like, you know, basically like reading and browsing online. So I, I do see a lot of stuff. But is that, okay, so uh, this is the last process question, I guess. But, like, do you have, like, a regimen to it? Do you Are you like, all right, first I hit this, then I hit this. Okay, I've not found anything good, so I'm going to go over here. These are my emergencies. If, I, if I'm really struggling to find something, is it is it like that or is it random? I, I think it's a little bit of a hybrid. I There's certain stuff that I know I can hit if I really need something. If it's like, oh, I have... You know, like, oh, I have to do a podcast this afternoon and I had an appointment earlier. So it's like, oh, shit, I really need some stuff. I I have places that I can go where it's like, OK, this is going to be I, I can find some stuff here that I can put up, um, you know, and there's also other stuff that's like, OK, I need to, you know, I I need to write about this book that I read last month. And so, you know, I, I know I can block out an hour or two to to fully do that. Um. But mostly it's just sort of constant low-level attention to 
you know, various sources and various feeds, whether they're, you know, whether it's reading Twitter or uh, email newsletters or, um, you know, hitting, uh, hitting my feed reader. All right. Uh, let's transition into the philosophical questions. <laughs> um, so like uh, you have a, a 2013, so, you know, many years ago now, you wrote a, a post about the blog is dead. Long live the blog post. Mm -hmm. um, well, even before even before we talk about that, like that sense in the mid to late aughts when all of the other bloggers not not all of the other bloggers, but some bloggers did transition or, or did turn their blogs into professional gigs or did take jobs at the Washington Post or things like that. Like in that, in that the blog is dead, long live the blog, you, you, I think your quote is like, I'm the last guy dancing on the stage by myself and everyone else has moved on to movies and television. Like, mm -hmm. uh, did you feel like, oh, I'm doing the thing that I like and everyone was using this as a platform to something else. Like, how did you feel about that? That like blogging sort of was this thing, it gelled and then it sort of like exploded into a thousand different stars or pieces or something. I mean, I, I, I mostly I felt like there was this community and it became larger and larger over time. There was this community of people who were all sort of doing this kind of because they love to do it. And, you know, for better or for worse, we were all linking to each other and that sort of thing. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun to be involved in that mix and I think over time, as people peeled away where, you know, they got busy in, in, you know, whether it was like, oh, they started a company or they went to work for a startup or they were starting families or, you know, whatever happened. Um, you know, I think more and more people peeled away and, and there were less and less people who were interested in the same, this, this sort of uh, distributed online conversational filtering of information and you know and, and I miss that and I still miss it and to some extent like that you know it, it happens on Twitter a little bit I would say um, but you know as far as like my cohort is concerned like it doesn't it doesn't really happen and I, and I really miss that you know and in some ways like I feel like you know, it, it, it's not really the way I blog anymore, um, which is a little, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's where the the more link-heavy stuff came from, too. Is um, the – what about the fact – what do you think because of your the link-heavy stuff? I guess this is a question that the answer really is going to be, well, these things come – in cycles but like everybody has a friggin newsletter now right <laughs> or a podcast i guess right but you know but specifically the newsletters where they're doing the well here's my tab dump um and that that's that was a thing that went i you know email itself felt like it was a thing that went away for a while now that's back and like what do you think about that like the the idea of the value of 
hey, the rest of us are busy with our lives. Here's some great shit that you missed. Is that like just something that you feel like is evergreen? I think so. I mean, people like sharing things with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of at the root of it. And people also want to be heard by people that they know and admire and yeah i mean i think that's you know that's at the base of it and i think that that if you look at why sites like facebook are compelling even though a lot of people would argue they are you know super bad for society <laughs> uh they're still super compelling because people just, you know, Facebook is such an easy way to share things with the people that you know and you love. Um, You know, I think it is the easiest thing that has been invented so far. Um, And that's, you know, why 2 billion people around the world use it. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of asked Justin Hall a similar question when I talked to him is like, how does that make you feel that something that, you've been doing for 20 years which is here i found this i'm sharing it with you 20 years ago that was kind of an insane thing to do to a lot of people (laughs) like how do you feel about the fact that now basically all of society has been trained to do that almost as like a a primitive (laughs) evolutionary reflex almost i think it's great i think you know when we were talking earlier about sort of the privilege involved in publishing online like that doesn't exist anymore to the same extent and anybody almost anybody can publish their thought their thoughts online for anyone else to read you know for for good or bad i was gonna say because there's been such a backlash to that recently and i felt it too you know um i believed in the web from day one because it was like, well, anyone can have a voice. And now a lot of people are like, well, was that so good? (laughs) You know, but so you're saying you still feel fundamentally that that's positive, that everyone has access to being heard. I think on the whole, it is positive. I think what's problematic is You know, what What Facebook and, and you know, I don't, I don't just want to pick on Facebook because it, I think it's it's a problem. It's a problem with with VC funded companies in general. Uh, you know, what are they what are they taking away from you that you're you know, what do you what do you have to give up in order to have access to those publishing tools and to 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 this massive network of humanity. Um, you know, because like back when, you know, back in the nineties and, you know, the early two thousands, you know, we were just doing it for the hell of it. And it was, it was just this thing that, that we were just all kind of doing and we didn't have to give anyone anything to do it. You know, now it's, you know, it's sort of this, this bargain with the devil where you have to, you have to, be advertised to and to give up this personal information that then Facebook can, you know, analyze and sell your attention. Um, 
So I still think it's good that people have access to these publishing tools, but I think, you know, the, the business models around these things are a little bit, you know, it's problematic. What about the, the business model of being a, a one man band (laughs) website, which I, I'll stipulating that you're not a one man band. You've had great uh, people guest and, and help you out over the years. And, um, has uh but you know other people have been going away you and gruber talked about this both being uh representatives of this sort of like era of when you can be one person that has a website that can make a living (laughs) is that is that something that you feel like um you can sustain in this world i think so i think so the the membership that i launched a year and a half ago that's that went really well and it's and it's really given me a, a, I think a pretty stable base for my business, you know, for the business aspect of 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 the thing. Um, so I you know, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Who's the, what's the demographic of of a cocky.org reader, either if you know it, or or in your mind, like who do you who do you imagine are the people that are showing up every day? You know, I've I've never mentioned I've never measured any sort of demographics stuff. I imagine somewhere deep in the bowels of Google Analytics is some tab that will tell me how many people they think are male or female and what their ages are, but I've never looked at it. Um, from the feedback that I get, I think that you know, people who read the site are a lot like me. You know, they probably grew up probably mostly in the U.S. probably educated, um, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50, um, probably more than 50% male, I would say, um, probably more like 60 or 70% male just because it was a, you know, it was, uh, I, I mean, I don't know why. I can. I, I have some guesses as to why, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I want to yeah, yeah, <laughs> go yeah. there right now. Well, but so, is there is there an imaginary reader in your mind that you're posting for, or do you not even do it that way? You're you're just. This is me, Jason. This is what I want to share. It depends. I think every. I think every. Every so often, there's a person, like a specific person that I know, that I sort of write to. Um, it and like my, I think the, what the writing style is is it's very much like I'm writing an email to that person, and then I post it publicly, like, hey, there's this, here's this cool thing you should check out. Here it is. Is there? This is probably the same question, but is there is there a guiding? Shit, what's the word? Is there like a, a philosophy or thesis beside behind what you decide to post? Like, is there a through line behind what I see on your site and what I would likely never see on your site? Uh, this, I mean, the site is pretty eclectic. Uh, I would say 
you know, the, if I see something and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. It's most likely going to end up on the site. Um, that, you know, and I don't know if that's like helpful. It, it, it's never been helpful in explaining what the site is actually well, you about know, but to that, anybody. But that is interesting because, okay, that's surface level thinking. That's like almost instinctual. That's like, cool, post, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's never evolved into, uh, this is the dumbest thing I could think of, but it, uh, what I'm doing is I'm I'm bringing sunshine into people's lives and I'm making their day a little bit better. No, you're just like, this is a cool post. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, not to go back to the Facebook thing again, but like, you know, the whole Facebook thing now is like, we're connecting the world or whatever. Like, that's not what Facebook was about in the beginning. You know, like, that's not, that's like the highfalutin sort of explanation after the fact. Like, Facebook was like, holy shit, we've got people and you know, we can get more people using those people and those people will tell those people and they'll all be writing to each other and it'll be great. And like, that's what Facebook was about. And that's still what Facebook is about. And like, I feel like the story that you invent after is like, to some extent, like bullshit. How much, how much, that makes me think, how much of your, do you think your traffic comes from things like being viral? like a post going viral and being shared on social media and things like that. Very little. Really? Very little. So like you're saying you, you believe the majority of your traffic is people, you're a destination. They come back to you again and again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, st I mean my, the percentage of people who go to the front page of the site is kind of nuts compared to, I think a lot of other things. Yeah, see, that's interesting. That's might that might be why it's sustainable because that's the thing that various forces have pushed other sites away from. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it you know it definitely hasn't done my you know my traffic any favors. You know, hmm. being that way, hmm. like I, I you know I never I was never able to build any sort of huge following on Facebook. I've got I've got one on Twitter a little bit. Well, but I mean, because you're like you're like close with, uh, or were uh, close with Jonah Peretti and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So like you, you've basically ignored sort of the the model that he pioneered and built. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think in order to in order to have done that, you you have to, you know, I mean, what BuzzFeed and what Mashable and all those sites did is that they posted like fifty things a day, you know, and I just that wasn't possible with just me, you know, I, I just couldn't do that. Um, you know, that's the thing that they figured out at, at Buzzfeed and at, at Huffington post is like, let's just post lots. And s some of those things will stick and some of them will take off, you know, and that's how we'll build our audience on, on Facebook. And that's, you know, and I just, that just wasn't going to happen with me. Uh, one more thing, referencing the Gruber podcast, I recommend people look that up because um, he will have, what did you do, like almost two and a half hours or something? Yeah, it was like two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, kind of way more Jason than I'm going to do. Not that Jason's not an excellent guest because you definitely are. Um, but you you guys, again, both being these sort of like solo independent guys, we're talking a little bit about how that, again, that community of indie bloggers that, that you know, we're... we're remembering fondly um 
it was either you or him that mentioned like maybe those people live today on YouTube or on Twitch or places like that. Like it's that spirit is probably still there, right? It's just on these other platforms or or niches. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's there are all sorts of people who are individuals like making a living on YouTube, Snapchat, um, Twitch is, you know, a good example. Um, you know, it's, it's that same sort of thing. Like I really like doing this. Oh, I'm good at this. Oh wait, like YouTube can give me like a cut of ad revenue and, and okay, so I'm going to start making more shows. And then it's like, Oh, I have a deal with YouTube now. And you know, it just kind of goes from there and it's, it's, it's the same sort of trajectory it's just people aren't doing it with blogs. They're doing it, you know, being influencers on Instagram. Well, and see, that's what I would find fascinating if I could figure out somebody that was early on Twitch, and if they would have that that question that I asked about you being early to the to blogging and becoming the aristocracy. I wonder that that's I don't know why, but that's what I always find fascinating is how those sorts of things shake out, and I wonder if it it plays out the same. Um. All right, uh, let's let's end with a two-parter, the second part of which I think I know the answer to, but um, the first part would be, do you think you will be doing Kotki.org 20 years from now? And the second part is, do you want to be doing Kotki.org 20 years from now? <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, 20 years is a long time. Uh, I... I don't think I've ever been really convinced that I should go work for somebody else over the past, you know, 10 or 15 years. So I would have a hard time seeing how that would happen. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if an independent, you know, blog or site or whatever on the open web is still a thing in 10 or 15 or 20 years. Um, I would hope so. I would hope the open web is still around and still works much in the same way. Um, you know, I think that would be the biggest, you know, the biggest obstacle. Uh, Jason, I said this offline, going to say it online. I said it to several people. Oh, Malik, Dave Weiner. Um, I love doing this podcast because occasionally I get to meet heroes of mine um, thank you for thank you for coming on the show, talking about all this twenty years of cocky.org, um, and thank you for finding me cool shit on the web for twenty years. No problem. Thanks, Brian. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. There's plenty more great internet history where that came from. And if you're a longtime listener, then you know what to do to help us out rate and review us on iTunes because iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings and the more great reviews we get the more people will discover us as always there's more info on our website www.internethistorypodcast.com the show's Twitter handle is at nethistorypod and my personal Twitter is at brianmcc thanks for listening